And we are live for WMA Today, episode 81. I am your solo host once again, Drake Riggs, bringing you the show here live on YouTube.com at the Scraps YouTube channel. We're also live on Twitter, but if you are on Twitter, you will not be able to get in and all the live comment fun. So if you want to interact with me during the show and everybody else who is tuning in, appreciate you greatly, head on over to the YouTube section. That is where you can uh, have all the fun, the interactive fun that is. Hopefully the show for you is still good fun. Hope everybody had a happy holiday season. because As you can see, it is still the holiday season. I'm going to celebrate it until the year is over because that's just the stretch of the last two weeks we get. You don't get to wear too much festive clothing too often, and I got to I'll represent my boys, the Packers. Keep on keeping on with the Christmas Day victory over the Browns. Beautiful stuff there, even though it did get a little bit closer than I would have liked. Still pulled out the victory and the number one seed in our conference. So not too bad there. Uh, yeah, so we're on the home stretch here. The last week of 2021. What a wild year it has been, you guys. Next week, we will have the award show. Going to be fun, and we will have Steve for that. Got to have Steve there. He's been dealing with all sorts of different things uh, the last, what's well, been like four weeks now, four shows that he's missed, but he is all right. It is more of other things. Don't worry about it. He's doing okay. We'll see him next week. Um, but yeah, nothing to recap this week, you guys, but we have something to look forward to, which is, of course, the year-end spectacular that Ryzen provides us with every single year. How kind of them. Ryzen 33, it is this week, the last MA show of 2021. Going to be a doozy. 16 total fights, just two fights from the ladies, but two goddamn good ones, I believe. Uh, we've already talked about them leading up to them, but we will break them down a little bit further here at the end of the show, as well as... The Phantom Punch Breakdown. Get your predictions in early and often. It's going to be a short one, you guys. Not too much news, because as I said, it is the holiday season. So just giving you a little bit of something, which is more than nothing. So feel free to ask away with anything throughout the show. Happy to talk about whatever, because this will probably be a quick one. And uh, just appreciate you guys tuning in, regardless whether you're live, like I said, on YouTube or Twitter, or catching the show the day after, or whenever afterwards on an audio platform or on the replay. So without further ado, let's see what is going on here. James is here. Good to see you, sir. Uh, Jen is here. Says, hello, Scrap Pack. S. Stamina calls us. Yes, indeed, it is the Scrap Pack. Uh, Rue says, what's up, best WMA show on YouTube, period. My guy appreciates you, sir. Centro says, are we going to play the guess who the Phantom Punch Breakdown game is today? I have the feeling it's Hamasaki a third time since she's fighting this week. Well, yes, we are. Centro has already answered that question in that little intro I did. Uh, we're going to play it all the time now. I like it. I think it's a fun game. And uh, you guys have been way off the last two. So he's got his first guess in. He's waiting for that Hamasaki trilogy uh, Phantom Punch Breakdown. Will it be today? We'll find out at the end of the show. Alvin is here. Good to see you as well, my man. I appreciate your kind words on my, uh, speaking of Hamasaki, of my kind of breakdown I did on her. Thanks to Ghost. I uh, used his analysis a little bit in there, which educated me so that I could type it out and get it all in a lengthier word format as I shared my reasoning for why she should be considered one of the very top pound for pound fighters in the world. So if you haven't seen that cheap plug, it is out of the way. Uh, 
a story or article breakdown I did on Ayaka Masaki, MiamiNews.com. It is titled, Your Ignorance Does Not Detract from Ayaka, from the Greatness of Ayaka Masaki. So put some time into that one recently and inspired by Mr. Jose Young. So shout out to him over at MA Fighting. He gave me the idea for that one while we were in Phoenix for the Bellator show. So finally got around to it. Don't know if he's read it yet. Not going to send it to him because I don't want to be that guy. But shout out to Jose for the idea. I think it came out good enough. You tell me. It's uh, argumentative. So there's that. Jimmy is here. Says season's greetings, Drake. I have to ask before the year ends, what was this show like before the Kana Army? Great question, Jimmy. Um, it was. It wasn't too different. I think that we've kept the format pretty consistently the same over the like two and a half years or so that Steve and I have been doing it. I mean, there was a big gap between when we did it. I mean, we first started at MA Today, which is now a website that is gone. That is where we met each other, which was in, I want to say, 2017. So it's been a while. It's been around two and a half or three years total that we've done it, not consistently, but um, we've pretty much stuck to the same format in terms of the lineup, but uh, we only started doing it live and on video for the scrap, which is where we are now, obviously. And I guess before it was just kind of like an even broier <laughs> back and forth podcast. So uh, I feel like we're a little bit more cleaned up and professional now, at least I try to be as I've, you know, gotten more and more professional in my career. But um, yeah, I guess a little bit lazier all over the place <laughs> with things, but for the most part, in terms of how we have done the show, pretty much the same at its core, I would say. Great question though, Jimmy. Thank you for that one. Uh, Rain says, yes, it's here. Best women's show on YouTube. No BS, no propaganda, and no absurd takes. And great analysis from Ghost, except for the Liam McCart one. My goodness, he won't let it go. <laughs> but <laughs> appreciate you greatly, Rain, and I am sure Ghost will appreciate that regardless as well. CEB, my man, Chris Edwards Bailey is here as well. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Hope you had a good one. And a happy new year coming up, everybody. Ghost is here. He says, I'm in the house. Yes, I am in the house. Uh, back in the studio as well, as you can see here, got the, the gray background, which I'm still considering trying to change it up somehow. But I think having one standard color is is all right. Uh, you know, I'm kind of pale, so it, I feel like it kind of brings that out a little bit too much. So maybe we'll change it up. But <laughs> back in the, the regular studio now, which is nice. Uh, yes, Scott is here as well. Um, absolutely. Everybody's here for this one. Love to see it. You guys hope you're all doing well. Oh man. Alex is in the house. What up dog? How you doing? Alex Behunin on Twitter. If you aren't following him, what are you doing? Um, there you go. Oh, and right after Alex, we have some spam. That's great. That's, that's always a good thing in a way because it shows you that we're getting big enough to where that can happen. So I'll say that as well. If you guys are here, like share, subscribe, don't forget to do that. It really helps out us a whole bunch just by, uh, you know, letting people know you like what we're doing because we're trying to do different things all the time. Hit the notification bell. You know the drill. A little bit late on that plug, but simple little like, click on the like button goes a long, long way. Long, long way. Uh, Rain says, great article about Hamasaki. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, that one uh, was, I love doing ones like that because it's, you know, showing respect or appreciation for somebody who deserves it a lot more than they get. That's why the Megumi one was such a big deal for me to get to do that and work alongside her to put that together. So uh, I love doing things like that for sure. 
Uh, James says, if Jaunan Rizueli gets made, who would have the advantage in all the areas? So, tricky question there, because you can look at it. Well, no, I guess it's best to look at that from skill for skill type of thing. Because um, you say all the areas right there. I think as much as you guys know, I love Jan Jaunan. One of my favorite fighters, period. Um, and, and so is Whaley, but... Just something about Zhao Nan. I've always liked her style a lot, as as well as Whaley. So they're very close in terms of who I like more and whatever. I'm not going to say that, but probably Zhao Nan. <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, I think that in practically every area, I would give the edge to Whaley. Um, I mean, maybe distance striking, if you want to get specific within the overall striking skill sets they possess, I would maybe you could. You could give Xiaonan advantage there, but I think honestly, Whaley probably has her beat in a lot of areas. I would still love to see in, in yeah, practically all areas of fighting uh, for the most part, but little elements that Xiaonan might do better, I think, are certainly there. Like maybe her kick variety. They're, they both do so many different things so well. Um, on the ground, I know people are going to say it's very clearly Whaley, which I think is fair to say, but um, all that said, I still would love to see that fight one day as much as it would suck to see one of them lose. And the fact that who knows if it'll be for a title now and in China and all that, the fun stuff about it that we could dream of at a time that we can no longer. I, I, I just think that uh, you got to give the edges to Whaley at the moment. I, I feel like that's kind of fair on, on more, more sides than not. So uh, Rue says, did you see Whaley training Southpaw? What are your thoughts on this? Um, I didn't, I saw her training, but I, I kind of scrolled by, um, didn't pay too much attention to it. So I probably saw it, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that. I think we've seen her change it up before in the past. I'm, I'm sure I feel like I have, unless I'm just giving her more credit than I should be, but I mean, why not? Why not do that? So cool, cool for her to add more varieties and whatnot. So, uh, Jimmy says WMA today has been around since 2017. That's crazy. Where can we watch the old vids? So <laughs> good question again, Jimmy. Um, there are only three video podcasts before the scrap. Everything else was all audio. We did three episodes that were on video. Those are on YouTube still as they should be. And if you go to my channel, uh, Drake Riggs on YouTube, I have a playlist for the WMA Today podcast, which has everything, all of these scrap ones in there. And then if you go to the very bottom, the first three that are in that playlist are these three pre-scrap WMA Todays. So you can see those. Um, I'm trying to remember which like weeks they might have been around, which fights we talked about. I don't know. It was a while ago, but those are there. So if you want to go back through the time machine, <laughs> you can see those. When we we used to have like a proper intro too, we played. This was way back, but we played the um that was it girls by beastie boy beastie boys i think i don't know if that's the title of the song but that was one of our intros and we had a couple other intros for the episodes that you would see in that playlist so if you want to go back and see the rougher versions at least of the podcast's integrity uh or not integrity but as a show you could see it there we had some good framework and uh stuff we actually had a guy who was helping with the 
producing sort of and editing at that time, which was fun. Now I do it all by myself and StreamYard helps out as well. Shout out to John Franklin. That's the guy I'm talking about. He'll know. Um, so, yeah. Rue says it's always good to change up looks and striking. So, yeah, good stuff from Whaley. There you go. Ghost thoughts. Theo is here, man. Great to see you in the comments section, my man. Happy holidays to you as well, Theo. Doing great stuff. Seeing him at all the events these days now, at least when I'm there. Uh, Severe MMA, right? That's that's where he does some work with. I'm sure he works at some other places as well. But Theo, one of the good guys on the come up in the industry. Not to sound like I'm at the top or anything, because definitely not the case. <laughs> definitely not the case. Um, Go says, but hitting mitts doesn't tell you a lot. It's just for sharpening tools. Very true. We've seen that time and time again. Look at Rhonda. Maybe a terrible example, but it's an example. <laughs> so Jin says uh, he's been around up oh, there. All right. Other stuff, other drama <laughs> related to the show. Uh, I need a. That's why it helps to have Steve or a co-host. Then I can have somebody who stops me from doing that kind of thing. But Alex asking thoughts on Cynthia Calvia going back to 115. She hinted on her Instagram. Yes, I saw that right before we came on the air, actually. And that is not in the news lineup because it's not an official thing. So, yeah, fair question to ask right now. Uh, we talked about this a little bit after her loss to KGB. And it's I feel like she's in a weird spot now where obviously she had some very serious struggles in the end with getting to 115 and then she was thrown into the deep end immediately at flyweight. It really realistically wasn't the deep end because she went against Jessica. I who was ranked number two, I think or number one or two at the time, which has always been ridiculous. Like Jessica I has never been like past eight. If we're going to be honest, if we're going to be totally honest. If we're going to be completely honest here, never been the highest ranked fighter, whether I ban on weight or flyweight in actuality, in my opinion as well, <laughs> I guess obviously, but she was at that. So from that, blanket outside kind of perspective of looking at the rankings she was thrown right to the deep end which obviously didn't help her so now she's in a little bit of a limbo and only having gotten older of course as time goes on and trying to make the cut again to straw weight after all these years at flyweight now i don't know i i mean i think changing divisions is a good idea for her but i still think she might be too big to comfortably make straw weight after the issues she did have and straw weight's only gotten better since she was there she's in a very tricky spot i think it's a good idea in theory but she should she needs to find a very good nutritionist and all that kind of thing uh she wants to you know do that so uh, Rain going back to the Xiao Nan and Whaley topics as distance striking is Yusuf going to say that Whaley can't handle distance. He might. <laughs> Who knows? I don't think he will, but it's always possible. Jimmy asks, can Ghost show up as an avatar? Don't ask me that question. Don't ask me that one. That's a man for him. That's a question for him himself. Um, <laughs> Jin making the prediction of uh, a Whaley trilogy fan of bunch breakdown at the end of the show. All right, there we go. Everyone is everyone's looking forward to those eventual third breakdowns for each Whaley and uh, Hamasaki. So we'll see when they show up. James says, what are the chances Whaley can pull off a Robert Whitaker where she can fight and beat the top three straw weights in one year, especially training with Cejudo again? 
what are the chances way they could pull off a Robert Whitaker type re uh, reemergence or what, what would you want to call it? Rebound. Um, in one year, I think the problem with that, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna go by the specifics of what you just, how you phrased that, James, three straw weights in one year, I, I, the third one is the problem for me because. I don't think Whaley's never fought three times in the UFC in one year, right? I know she was obviously very, very active in Kunlun prior to the UFC, but she has not been able to get in three fights a year in the UFC. So in terms of activity, I struggle to see her being able to do that. Could she beat three in one year? I'm sure she could. Yeah, depending on, uh, well, if you, the top three. So that would be what Carla... Excluding Rose, Carla, Marina, and what Nyoan is not ranked up there anymore. But um, it's possible. I think it's certainly possible, but I don't think the chances are good simply based off of her actually getting three fights in in a single year. So maybe, I guess. 50-50. Uh, 50-50. Um, oh, Jimmy going with uh, Jessica Andrade for the the fan of punch this week i like that one we've never had a jessica andrage prediction maybe we'll have a breakdown later on i wonder i wonder how how much you guys uh how much better you feel after my reactions from some of your predictions because i generally like all of them <laughs> i generally like them all pretty well um Jen asks, does fighting the best draw weight the last three years for Whaley help her in the long run? I, I would say so. I mean, you're only going to be better, the better competition that you have. So I, I don't see why it'd be a negative, especially when she's only gotten finished one time and then arguably won the other one that she lost. I, I don't see it as a negative whatsoever. So Craig Johnston a newcomer. He says, hello, Drake. I found the show looking for a breakdown of Whaley that wasn't negative. Well, that is excellent to hear, Craig. Thank you so much for tuning in, checking the show out live, albeit, um, and also checking out some of the Whaley breakdowns. That is very cool. Glad to have you here. Hope you enjoy the time with everybody and myself. Normally, I have Steve with me. He'll be here next week for the award show as we are having the last show right now of 2021. Thank you so much and hope you enjoyed the Whaley breakdowns. And uh, yes, unfortunately negativity out there <laughs> so we try i try to keep it as positive as possible here i think everybody has gotten a lot better since i kind of put my foot down after a rough back-to-back -back two ufc cards that we had uh a while ago so happy to have you man thank you so much that uh, means a lot uh ghost says that whaley said she wanted to fight twice in the latest migu interview all right, there you go. So she's kind of just looking at two a year, which is the average. If we're going to be honest, nothing wrong with that. Hopefully we can see her in a Q1 for 2022, no matter who it's against. Litchell is here. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Happy holidays to you. Great to have you as always. All right. So this is perfect, guys. This is started off as a bit of an impromptu mailbag, which is just fine because since there is no recap, we will start out with the mailbag <laughs> this week. And there's only one one bit of mail in there, I believe, unless something has been added within the last 20 minutes or so. But before we get there, Craig has another question uh, right here where he asks, 
My question for you is Whaley versus Rodriguez. Oh, is Whaley versus Rodriguez a good matchup for Whaley to win? Can Whaley beat her? I've seen a lot that Rodriguez is the betting favorite. What are your thoughts? Um, I interesting. I haven't seen. I'm curious. First of all, Craig, uh, I want to. I want to know where the odds are coming from, just out of my own curiosity, because I haven't seen any odds on that matchup since it you know hasn't been made or anything. But curious, and that's interesting to say that Rodriguez as the betting favorite. As most of these guys know, and most people who know me, I've I'm fully on the Marina train at this point. I believe that she will be a champion one day. Will that day come next year? Possible. I don't know if I'm willing to bet that, but I guess that would make sense. Either way, I I think Marina will definitely hold the title before she's done. And so, but I still feel like she'd be an underdog against Whaley because, again, like I said. I think uh, Whaley obviously has a good argument to be made for her beating Rose in the rematch. A lot of people think so. I'm very, very on the fence with it. It was incredibly close. All came down to the third round. Um, to say if it's a good matchup or not, though, for Whaley, I don't know if it's a good matchup necessarily for either. It's that's a great fight, man. I would really, I really would love to see that one. I think obviously the wrestling improvements for Whaley could be could be a very big X factor as we've seen how great she did against Rose, and Marina has obviously had problems with her takedown defense in the past, but she's gotten a whole lot better, a whole lot better defensively, and we saw that not so much in the takedown element of things against uh, Mackenzie, but the fact that she was able to survive and even threaten against Mackenzie Dern in the grappling department offensively is massive and people really i don't think give her enough credit for that of course we know she's a phenomenal striker great muay thai some of the things that she does at distance in the clinch you name it has great power as does whaley that fight would be fireworks that would be chef's kiss dare i say um but can whaley beat her yes of course uh is she a good matchup I wouldn't really say they're good matchups for either. They both have a lot of things that they do well and bad that the other could exploit, which is what makes the fight fun. And that one in particular would be a fantastic striking battle, I think, and even have some good scrambles. But I'm not going to give a prediction, Craig, unless you ask me specifically, because that fight's not happening. We can hold off until it does, but I like that a lot. I hope we get to see it one day. But either way, I'll just say that I think Marina will be champion again. And I think that Whaley can be champion again as well. But I think Marina might get there before her. So we'll leave it at that. As Litchold is asking, uh, will we do a Ryzen fight companion? So I know John threw out that idea last week. We have yet to further discuss it since then. Um, so that would be for SCMP. We could. We might. The fight will be on Thursday night for me, Friday morning. Or other way around. Either way, New Year's Eve, obviously. Um, maybe I don't know yet. Uh, if not, there will be the the uh, intermission show here on the scrap, which we generally do during the intermissions to keep people awake and kind of recap and preview the things to come because it's in between the show, obviously. So, if no fight companion, which we've never done for Ryzen, would be very fun. Uh, the fight, the intermission show, <laughs> will be here on the scrap. If no Vicoban on SCMP, there's that. Either way, I would be there for either of those. So there's an update on that. Good question, Litchfield. 
Uh, Jin says, hopefully these questions are good. Again, <laughs> only one in the mailbag that I've seen. There might be more since we started, but I liked it. It was a fun little one and very, very appropriate for end of the year. So, uh, and Craig reiterating that not odds, just other people on YouTube who have Marina favored over Whaley. Well, that does not surprise me. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and I'm sure it doesn't surprise anyone else either. Um, Rue says Whaley does everything well and she can catch front kicks. So that's going to be a problem if Marina throws them. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Marina definitely does love her front kicks and she was able to get away with them. A surprising amount against uh, Dern who did not, did not capitalize on that. Try and catch any of them really. Um, but yeah, that's, that's an excellent point, Rue. I'm glad you pointed that out because... Breen would have to be much more careful with those against Whaley, who would take advantage of that. Good stuff there. And Craig says, no prediction, just thoughts. Good stuff. So much better than other YouTubers who just attack and make fun of people's techniques and great breakdowns too, Drake. Um, yes, I cannot stand people who do that. So <laughs> thank you for that. those kind words, Craig. And uh, yes, the breakdowns are fantastic, but I cannot take credit for them. I just narrate. That is our man, Ghost Phantom, who is here, uh, one of the mods in the chat. And obviously, friend of the show, contributes his uh, breakdowns every week for the last 20, I want to say 22 weeks. I remember he skipped one. But uh, yes, that is all Ghost Phantom. And some other people have been giving me credit for those recently as well, which I tell them, no, it's not me. I just narrate. I'm not as smart as Ghost Phantom. Uh, he teaches me much more than I teach him, I'm sure. So credit goes to him. But uh, yes, they're great indeed. Uh Yes, as Jimmy is the correction there. <laughs> so it happens. It happens, man. It's all right. So that's when, when you're the voice of the voiceless. It's what's going to happen. I went there. Uh, Chris says, who would you give as your uh, fighter of the year from the big four organizations? Uh, and he changes it to five. UFC, Bellator, PFL, Ryzen, and one. Well, Chris, I'm happy you asked. As James also chimes in and says he's going with Hamasaki. If you did not see, a couple hours ago, I released my 10 potential year-end nominees for MMA that could come out of Ryzen 33 because there are plenty of things that they should be nominated for, as well as fighters, all that kind of thing. So I've kind of addressed this already. So out of those five right there, which... I think the winner has to come out of that five for women's fighter of the year. For me, it's between Marina, who we've already talked about plenty. And when it comes to, well, well here before I get into reasoning why I say Marina, Rodriguez, and then Hamasaki obviously has to win. She has to win this week, which We'll get to that. Um, I value what people have done for the entirety of the year a lot. So for Marina and potentially um, Ayaka, that'd be three wins each for them. Marina, two two wins, well, three wins over ranking fighters. One was at flyweight, obviously, but, you know, strawweight's fighting on short notice, which maybe makes it even more impressive. Dominant victory over the course of five rounds showed you could go five rounds before that upset win or, you know, overlooked, underestimated 
she was underestimated against uh, Amanda Hebas, knocks her out essentially twice in one fight because Herb Dean's a great referee, sarcasm. And then the Mackenzie Dern win, another top victory there uh, where she was underestimated. That's three, and three very solid ones. Um, so uh, that that holds a lot of weight for me. Of course, some people will give it to Juliana Pena just because of the Nunez one, which is fair because it was huge. But for me, I look at the entire year much more. So that was like one great moment. And yes, you can say the McMahon one was good too, but they were both kind of comeback wins. So do you value that better? Is it better because of that or the dominance? Which is then you look at someone like Valentina, who two fantastic wins, just two though, two very dominant finishes over very talented individuals, a former champion and a surging Lauren Murphy. Uh, the other one being Jessica Andrade. Fantastic performances, but just two of them. So it's like, there's a lot to weigh here. And then people will throw in Rose who won the World MA Awards uh, <laughs> trophy, which I don't, I don't like that very much because two wins as well but both against the same fighter and one, she arguably didn't even win. So I don't agree with that. I've seen some people mention stamp, but stamp lost this year and she got finished immediately out in my opinion. So for me, I would say it comes down to, uh, uh Marina or Ayaka. I understand. And Ayaka, who I didn't even mention there in terms of why for her, I mean, two rematches that she had. Yes, rematches. Two people she beat already. But Kana Asakura, who is a perennial elite staple of the atomweight division, beat her in a very underrated fight. And it was it was pretty close, honestly. Yeah, I could have seen it going either way, but she got the job done there. Maybe bonus points for an awesome fight. And then the Emi Fujino rematch, which was an absolute banger and one that she got the unanimous decision not in that one. I thought that one was fairly close, too, but I... Would have, I did give it to Ayaka in that one, but she gets those wins there. And Emmy, a current strawweight champion, that was her Adam Weight debut. And then if she can beat another strawweight champion, Sekizawa, who is the prodigy of all prodigies, as you know, we'll get to that. And her, her first defeat in, I think, anything professional. She just has not lost yet. Pretty good year. Pretty good year for Hamasaki. That'd be back-to-back female fighter of the year awards as far as i'm concerned because she was the winner last year and had submission of the year so it's kind of a two-horse race for me but uh, if i was to go specifically from each promotion as you're saying ufc obviously marina bellator gotta be cyborg right uh you could go juliana velasquez as well um wouldn't be mad at that wouldn't be mad at that, even though the key holds fight was obviously a little, a little close. Probably Cyborg still, as much as I love Velasquez. PFL, clearly Kayla. Uh, then Ryzen just, just said there. And for one, I I guess would still have to be Stamp, I guess, right? If Even with the loss, kind of the options are a little bit slim there. Uh, or obvious. So... Uh, Litchfield says Valentina for UFC, Bellator, Cyborg, PFL, Harrison, and the one stamp. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jin says, uh, Jin says, I just want Hamasaki to win. Uh, that I don't like the rest of the strawweight, strawweight since Whaley is my girl. <laughs> I think I understand what you're saying there. That was a little confusing. Um, Rain says, What do you look for a fighter to improve on on a technical level? 
Well, there's a lot of things. And I mean, for someone to need to improve on something, Rain, they have to have maybe some issues there or not be very strong there, right? So something, generally speaking, that's a very tough question. But um, I mean, what it was Ghost saying right here? He says, that one's easy, Rain. Ask yourself how the fighter in question deals with the things that gave them trouble in the previous fight for the current one. I mean, he pretty much took the words out of my mouth there. <laughs> it's uh, generally speaking, that's kind of a tough and maybe unanswerable question because it really depends fighter by fighter. Um, and then Rain's obviously asking for examples, but uh, Ghost just going right out of here says, yep, Jose Aldo is the best example. Uh, added McGregor's pull counter against Holloway. He adds the things that gave him trouble in all his fights. That is true. Uh, and I mean, look at him now. He is right up there hanging with the best of them still. So, I mean, Ghost just takes it away, Rain. Why even ask me when he's got probably better and qu much quicker examples than I would have came up with. But um, that's why he is the genius that he is. So, all right, we'll just get right to the mailbag then. 33 minutes in of impromptu mailbag. We can keep it going all night long. Uh, oh, Chris with a good one here, too. He says, in terms of in-fight improvements, I really like Volk Holloway 1. Yep, that's a good one. I mean, 1 or 2. I feel like 2 might have impressed me more. In Well, in terms of in-fight improvements, Cejudo Marais. Come on, who are we kidding there? Henry, the way he adapted going into that second round, was that was just a championship performance. You know, he was struggling real bad with Marlon round 1. Turns things around. Gets the job done. But uh, a fair shout there, uh, Chris. Uh, whether it's one or two. I would, I would feel a little bit more two because, in my opinion, Volk came back and won that one. Came back, in a sense. At least took the last three rounds, but then the first, round, uh, first fight was pretty smooth sailing for him the whole time, I thought. Uh, and Go says, if you are an elite fighter and having trouble with something... The thing is going to give other fighters trouble. There you go. And Chris says, I feel like Holloway uh, in the first Holloway fight in the fourth and fifth was a great despite losing one, two, three. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I haven't watched that one in a while, but Holloway definitely came on stronger. And even look at uh, Poirier in Holloway too, right? I mean, that's, he's just one of those guys who he he comes on very strong and his lack of power might be the reason he didn't win those fights. You know, if he had a little bit more pop on his uh, shots, who knows how the story would have gone. So, good examples, you guys. Thank you for helping me out. But anyway, we'll get to the mailbag now, which again just has maybe one one thing in there at the moment and is from our guy, Mr. Scott McCrate. So, oh shit, I just took the sharing off. It was already up. So that had been so much time, I forgot it was up there. The fun of live shows. All right. So Scott is here asking for me to hit him with his three favorite performances from walkout to knockout. Only first round finishes, please. And coolness of the walkout must be factored in. So I did ask Scott in follow up to this if he means if he meant. Literally, like combine these two things, so the walkout and then. That same person did the knockout after, which 
that's very specific. <laughs> and it was a little too much for me. I'm sorry, Scott, to uh, kind of put those two things together. But I do have those separately for you. I do have my three favorite. And you didn't say of this year, but that's how I took it. So I did it for 2021. If you mean all time, then it gets a lot more difficult. But if I'm going to do this year, my top three favorite walkouts and my top three favorite knockouts separately, not the same person doing both of them. Sorry. I do have that for you. So starting with walkouts, my favorite, wa my top two favorite walkouts of 2021 were both ones I was there for. So of course, they're going to be a little bit enhanced in my mind because of feeling the atmosphere and the vibe of it all. So my number one walkout, which I believe I did talk about the week after this happened. And uh, these are not women specific because he did not say so, even though I do have some mentions here as we continue. My number one walkout of 2021 was Brian Ortega's uh, Purge remix kind of uh, walkout against Volkanovski at UFC 2, was that 266? I think that was 266. And this kind of, I don't know how, if it was, it probably wasn't as cool on TV. It probably was not. But being there and kind of not really paying so much attention to like the timing of things and just how they presented that, that walkout was starting and that the, it was main event time. The siren hits, like all the lights go off, except for like, I think it was red in there, but like all the screens go black, all that kind of things happening. It was kind of like, Oh, all right. New purge movie trailer. Like, I didn't think that it was walkout time or anything. I don't okay, whatever. And then it kind of goes on for a bit. And I'm like, just kind of tripping myself out. I mean, like, what if just imagine if this was real and it got it got kind of scary. You know, it's just kind of like that would be horrifying. Everyone's stuck in this arena and the purge has been started <laughs> like, fuck that. <laughs> so that kind of I got in my own head a little bit with it, but it was pretty it was pretty fucking cool. And then he had the masks and all. I really like that being there for that one. It was a very cool and uh, kind of intense feeling. Obviously, it was like, oh, shit, things are about to go down. So that one was very cool, I thought. And I probably should have done these three to one, but too late now. We'll do that for the next bit. Um, my second favorite walkout of the year uh, was Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori in the rematch. That was UFC 263 when he came out to Somewhere I Belong by Lincoln Park. I just, like, didn't expect that. I did not expect that one from Adesanya. And, like, that's such a great song lincoln park like back in the day oh fantastic fantastic meteora hybrid theory some of the best albums of all time um i'm a big metal guy don't know if you would quite consider them metal like some other bands or genres but uh love classic lincoln park and hearing that one for him like that was a great walkout song i never thought about that one as a walkout song but fucking good and then he had like the green lighting it was really cool that was just a very cool walkout choice, I thought. And for Adesanya, who's like the champ. I like that one a lot. So that's my number two. And then number three, I'm giving it to not an MMA guy. Not an MMA guy. So kickboxing, Taiju Shiratori, who ended up becoming the Ryzen Kick champion at Ryzen 29 through the uh, one-night tournament when he came out to uh, playback by Rotten Grafty. Um, 
a song that I was not, I didn't know, I didn't know about it until hearing his walk. And I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Like what's going on here? Just the way it kind of picks up. And uh, it's got like a really fun energy to it while still being kind of a wild metal song. Um, and for a kickboxer like him, that was cool. That was really cool. And we got to hear it multiple times in one night because he won the tournament. So <laughs> he got uh, the same walkout twice. I really like that one. And uh, I listen to that song quite often now. So and Shiratori is just a badass. So that one worked out. Very cool one there. Uh, before we get to knockouts, let's see what all you guys are saying. What do you think of my choices there? Um, Ghost. Uh, referring to the other techniques and whatnot. He says, so Aldo using the technique of other fighters show his brilliance despite what people think of him. Uh, Rain also mentioning Adesanya and Whitaker won. That is definitely a good one. Uh, Jimmy says he bets Yusuf is going to talk about how Whaley doesn't know how to handle distance, even though Whaley outlanded Rose. Hmm. But Whaley doesn't know how to handle distance anymore unless she brawls. Guy's always picking on Yusuf. James says, Izzy versus Whitaker takes the cake. Yeah. Scott says Ortega's walkout was dope as fuck. Well done. Thank you, sir. Don't don't give me the well done. Give it to Ortega. That was that was a chilling experience. Um, Rue says Adesanya KOing Whitaker after his anime dance like everyone is saying. <laughs> uh, everyone agrees with that one. Um, Jimmy says Bahamanda screaming is always funny when he walks out. But when he got the spinning wheel kick knockout, he had to, we had to take him seriously. Fair. Very fair. So, all right, those were my favorite top three favorite walkouts of the year. And now we'll do top three favorite knockouts, which ended in the first round. And I'm probably forgetting some, honestly. I mean, there were so many good knockouts this year, but out of the three that I kind of had come to the top of my off the top of my head after getting this question from Scott. I came to these three, and we'll start with an honorable mention, which was Juri O'Hara's uh, knockout of Satoru Kitaoka in deep earlier in the year. Um, a fight that never should have been made, honestly. Kitaoka should retire, but he ended up getting stomped into oblivion, and it was nasty. It was violent. I enjoyed to see that. <laughs> so that's an honorable mention right there. Juri, uh, if you read my article from earlier today, he deserves to be in the breakthrough uh, breakthrough fighter of the year conversation, I think. The deep interim lightweight champion. He should be fighting for the title this weekend against Roberto Satoshi. But alas, we'll have to wait for that. Hopefully he gets the winner. He has to get the winner. I mean, the guy's on a six-fight winning streak. Come on. He he beat Yauchi. And Yauchi's fighting for the title. So, give, give a justice for O'Hara. Honorable mention there. And then we go to number three for me. And I have two listed at number three because number two is, again, not an MA fight. But you guys will like this one. <laughs> you guys will like number two. But for number three, I have uh, three, three A and a three B. And we'll start out with uh, three A, which was Tsuyoshi Sudario knocking out uh, Miyato um, in that eight second knockout where he continued to hit him afterwards, which was very controversial. And he got fined for that, rightfully so, kind of a dickhead piece of shit thing to do but as a knockout eight seconds heavyweights the way that Miyamoto freaking spun from the force of the knockout was pretty ridiculous and that was the fastest knockout in Ryzen history so that one was kind of cool even with the weirdness afterward on <laughs> Sudario getting a little too emotional 
but um, liked that one a lot. Then the three B would be Michael Chandler knocking out Dan Hooker. I mean, I wanted to see Michael Chandler in the UFC for so long, and then his first fight in the UFC, he does that to Dan Hooker was pretty crazy, pretty pretty crazy. Um, just the overhand right, and there it is. Maybe not as clean as the Sudario one because he had to follow up a little bit. And Dan Hooker is made out of iron, but still very impressive, very cool. And then uh, Chandler has yet to get a win since then, but that was cool to see for me as a guy who's been following Chandler since he was in the Bellator tournaments in like 2009, which is fucking insane to say that he's actually been around that long and still just getting here. So that was... 3A, 3B, and then for number two, I'm going to give it to Rena Panchan's knockout of Myrie in their rematch, which was only 2.30 into the first round. Panchan's first knockout of her career, a real feel-good moment, um, a real nice stinger down the pipe. I got this one actually pulled up here in case you guys have not seen it, and it's a little bit... A little bit short and quick, the GIF I'm using here, but um, still good. And I know you guys love Panchan. How can you not? Um, as great as she is, obviously not. Hasn't been much of a finisher just yet in her career. But boy, oh boy, she iced poor Myrie in their rematch. As you can see right there, kabam, big kabosh, puts her away. They're only like 100 and, 103 pounds or so. And as you can see... She was very happy as well, rightfully so. Rena Panchan, got to give her some love when we can. So I'll give her the number two spot. And then number one should definitely not surprise you as it's Emily Dakota getting the Mortal Kombat finish, the kill shot of Danielle Taylor to win the Invicta title. Maybe the knockout of the year as is. So many great contenders this year. But in terms of my favorite one, it's just beautiful. Another chef's kiss for this episode. Congratulations, Emily Dakota. Can't wait to see her back in the uh, in in action as well. So, hope that satisfied you, Scott. That took a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I love lists. I love lists, <laughs> so um, I will take them very seriously every chance I get. Um, Jimmy says, Drake, well, maybe if Yusuf watch Ghosts Breakdown, he knows what distance control actually is. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Jimmy says, Roberto Satoshi, love that guy and his skills. He is phenomenal. I would die at the chance of seeing him versus Oliveira. That's a grappling match that needs to happen. Scott says, mine, and I'm assuming same fighter slash walkout and knockout, Thug Rose at 261. Oh, you're going to get people upset at you with that one. <laughs> says Izzy at UFC 243. Okay, so he wasn't speaking with the year. I was. And Gaethje versus Barboza at Fight Night Philadelphia. I don't remember what he walked out of that one, but a good choice. A good choice. James says, as a knockout, the knockout of the year for women has to be Dakota since her opponent was out cold. There you go. Uh, Rue says, I'm on that train. Whaley wasn't out. Rain says he loves Panchan. Yes, he does. Alvin says, Panchan, such a wonderful use of front kicks and distance. The best. The best, indeed. Centro says, my knockout of the year has to be Emily Dakota versus Dan Taylor. Ghost, break. Ghost broke it down to a science. Yes, he did. 
Uh, Ghost says, sorry, Drake, I don't like lists, all subjective. That's why I like them. <laughs> That's why I like them. Unless you're doing stat and fact-based lists, which do exist, but I really enjoy making lists. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. All right, so that, and I just closed the mailbag on accident fully. Let's see if there's anything else in there very quickly before we move along to the two bits of news that we have. Um, a little quote tweet there from Chris. Gotta love it. Uh, let's see. Let me, I gotta find this now. Hold on, guys. Apologies. Probably nothing in here, but you got to double check. You got to double check. Yep. All right. Just Scott. We can move on. We can move on now. Sorry for that. And no, no offense taken, Ghost. <laughs> I totally understand. Um, just they're, they're a good conversation topic, I think, which is why I've been rebuttaling this holiday season. So with that in mind, let's get to the news now. As I'm warming up, even though it is snow, there is snow outside here in Washington State. As you might have seen, if you watch football, the Seahawks and Bears game had some snow, snowball in Seattle. So it's all good. All right. So before we get to the news, James asks, how do you decide what makes the news? Well, the news. <laughs> I mean, fights that are made officially or reported uh things that sound like you know things that are happening which if you've been paying attention you'll have noticed that um not to say that you haven't been but yeah that's the news is generally fights or retirements as we've seen recently and things alike it's going back to jimmy's question earlier about what the show used to look like we kind of had more speculative things in the news as well, like topics such as uh, what Alex mentioned with Cynthia, Cynthia Calvillo and her potentially dropping down to ins not, not Instagram, <laughs> to Instagram weight, straw weights again, uh, things like that. We would kind of talk about a little bit more, but in the end kind of realized, well, that's not news. It might not happen if it's not planned to happen or a change that's happening is it really news that's kind of how that's decided james so i hope that answers the question which i think it does so without further ado we'll kick things off with one of two fight announcements there you go that's a good way to describe it as well our girl friend of the show jesse jess is back taking on stephanie egger ufc fight night on february 19th at a location to be determined. And of course, the safe bet would be the Apex, but since one of the upcoming events will be in Columbus, Ohio, who knows if the UFC is looking to get on the road again, even though I think that one's in March, so I would imagine this would probably not be somewhere else before that, as that looks like the first, first e event that is traveling again for a fight night. But either way, Jessica Rose Clark versus Stephanie Egger going down here. And 
Interesting. Interesting fight. Not exactly the one I expected next for Jesse, who is now on a two-fight winning streak. Of course, brutalized poor Sarah Alpar a week before a wedding. <clears throat> that was a year ago because she tore ACL mid-fight, uh, unscathed, and then, well, aside from that, unscathed, and then comes back just a matter of uh, a month or month and a half ago or so, takes out Jocelyn Edwards. Dominantly as well. Jesse hasn't lost a round in, what, six rounds now? And then matched up with Stephanie Egger. A little bit of a surprise, especially because Jesse a little bit more notable, I think, at least in terms of name value and popularity than, let's say, somebody like Stephanie Egger or her last two opponents. Um, but fine with it. I'm fine with slow builds always, even though Jesse did just turn 34. Still kind of clearly adjusting to Bantamweight and looking good doing so. So no need to rush her too quickly as maybe they did at flyweight, even though she was holding her own against Jessica. I, and I think only lost that fight because of the takedown at the very end. But another person who needed a weight change, if we're going to go back to Cynthia Calvio talk. So Jesse is much better off here at Bantamweight, I think. And this should be a fairly interesting fight. While it lasts, always look forward to her fighting. Not what I expected, but I guess ultimately I'm not mad at it. I'll take whatever when it comes to her. Um, Rue says, why are people not happy with her last performance? I thought she did great because all the dude bro casuals don't like wrestling, Rue. That is essentially it. <laughs> they thought it was boring, yada, yada. But that was a very important performance for Jesse because if you have watched her career, she has never wrestled to that level of success and as frequently. She has wrestled before and shown off wrestling skills, but not to that level. And training with Daniel Cormier, obviously helping her out a good bit. So keep on doing it, I say. And against Edgar here, who we saw struggled against Tracy Cortez, which was a little bit of a surprise for me because Edgar does have a solid... Um, I think she's a judo black belt, right? I always forget what black belt she is, but something in grappling. I'm surprised that she struggled as much as she did against Cortez. And if Jesse comes in as great as she's looked in these last two fights, should be problematic for Edgar, but we'll get there when we do. Jen says, I always like Jesse Jess. Her weird rant about backing up Molenkamp instead of Cruz kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but good luck to her. I like the grinding style. I get that. I do get that. Um, and having been there for that and that being because of me, uh, yeah, I, I get both sides of it. Obviously, I'm kind of not in the middle of that right there, but yeah, understandable. But uh, yes, the grinding style is definitely something that she's been working on. Jimmy says, I uh, loved when Jess beat PVZ. The UFC was trying to say to use Jess as a stepping stone for PVZ and Jess beat her bad. Very true. Early on in her UFC career at Flyweight, she was uh, kind of the heartbreaker, right? She took out Beck Rawlings on short notice, who wasn't necessarily someone they were trying to put to the moon, push to the moon or anything. But uh, yeah, Jesse was never, still never has quite really looked like that looked at in the same light, I guess you could say, as a, a page or maybe even a Beck. <clears throat> so, 
Ghost says F Monster Killcliff is where it's at. All right. I've never had it. And I just kind of heard about this last week, actually, um, when I was in Florida because they sponsor a couple of people, right? So not not a big energy drink guy in general. I'm not. I'll have I'll have uh <laughs> Red Bull with my vodka when I'm out partying and being a delinquent, but that's about it. Or monster if they don't have Red Bull because they'll have one of those two things, but I'm not a big energy drink guy. Liquid cocaine, not a big fan of it. All right, so that is one bit of news, and then we get to the other one, which is an addition to Invicta 45, which was announced last week, as talked about with our special guest for a little bit, John, on the show, JHK. But at Strawweight, Tabitha Watkins versus Katie Saul gets added to Invicta 45, taking place on uh, January 12th, right? I put that on there but it's not on the yeah january 12th which is a wednesday so tabitha Watkins and katie saul both invicta veterans nope just kidding no actually yes that is true um both their last fights were in invicta it's just been it's been so long since invicta it feels like but many will remember both of these ladies for Perhaps their losses to uh, Lindsey Van Zandt, who beat both of them. Uh, Lindsey Van Zandt, of course, a very talented Adam Waite competitor. And then Tabitha Watkins, last time we saw her. Well, before, well, we've seen her in multiple kind of big spots that she has not come through on. Uh, she had the loss to Ai Shimizu, Ryzen 18, which was in 2019. Feels like forever ago. I think that was I's debut, both their debuts in Ryzen. And then after that, she lost to Jessica Delboni in the opening round of the Phoenix series. And that was the last time we saw her. And then Katie saw uh, also on a little bit of a rough patch with three straight losses. Lost to Tancheva, Elise Anderson, split decision in that one. And then Maria Messier-Balencia, also a split decision at Invicta 44. So both of them looking to snap some not so great losing streaks. Uh, somebody's somebody's O doesn't have to go in this case, but the losing streak does. So it, it should be fun, hopefully. <laughs> but hey, more Invicta fights, the better. Um, go says, I don't like energy drinks either. I just have a massive gathered for monster hatred i'm assuming you mean hatred there. <laughs> um, all right but yeah invicta gets a seventh fight i believe their cards are never too big anyway which is kind of nice honestly um is what it is all right with that out of the way no more news, you guys, as we're already getting close to the end of the show. And yes, he says hatred. Spell check is bad. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> I don't know why I would spell check that one, though. But that's spell check for you. Just does that kind of thing. All right, guys. Oh, good question here, Jim. Before we get to the preview for Ryzen 33, the lone event of the week, the last event of the year, Jimmy asks, speaking of Invicta, how would Dakota versus Delboni go? 
that is quite an interesting question. Quite an interesting potential fight. Adam Weight, uncrowned Adam Weight champ versus the Strawweight champ. That would be an interesting one. Um, Delboni, somebody who we have seen fight at Strawway before, so shouldn't wouldn't at all be a problem size difference or anything like that. Whereas obviously Dakota has fought at Flyway before, so I mean Dakota for sure is going to have a size advantage. How big? Hard to know. Hard to know till we saw them kind of next to each other. But obviously Delboni improved a whole bunch since dropping back down. Uh, Dakota, I mean, and then well, same for Delboni. They're each so much better at the current weight classes. So Delboni going back up, I think would, you know, she'd struggle a little bit more than let's say Dakota would, despite the matchup. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Jimmy. That's a, that's a good hypothetical. I'd love to see it, but obviously I don't know if we ever will considering the paths that they're kind of both on right now. It'd be tough. And we have seen, I think we've seen Delboni knocked out before. So Dakota very well could land something significant there. And I'm sure she would land several things significant, but they, they both had two such, two of the best performances of the year in their last fights. Well, I mean, Delboni's last three fights were good in the tournament, but the Zavatella fight should have been a win. And then Dakota's Taylor win, both fantastic and very different time spans of <laughs> length, you know, great performances. Um, that'd be a great fight. That'd be great. Uh, and Rain says, who else would Dakota fight, though? Yeah, I don't know. I do not know. Options are a little bit slim at Strawweight in, uh, in Invicta. Might have to bring someone in. As Chris says, crazy question. What is your wish for the women in 2022? And which rule would you like to see in M uh, for the women and not the male side? For me, closer weight class is seven pounds, maybe. All right, before I answer that, Jimmy says to go to Zapatella. Bad night for Zapatella. No way she wins that fight. I don't I think she would struggle mightily. And I think you guys know how <laughs> my thoughts on Zapatella for the most part still has a lot of proving herself to do despite the great title win against Ashley Cummins, which I did think she was losing until she got the uh, Von Flew, which was needed, obviously. But uh, I don't think that'd go well for Zapatella at all. Dakota's takedown defense is too good. Her striking is too good, too big. Yeah, that's a terrible matchup, I think. Um and Chris agrees, <laughs> but Chris's crazy question. He says, again, what is my wish for the women in 22? What rule would you change or like to see? Uh, I, I don't like, I don't really like the seven pound thing. Um, obviously for certain people that might be a really helpful thing, maybe like Cynthia Calvillo, for example, we've been talking about a little bit, maybe somebody like maybe Jojo Calderwood or Jojo would now um, a couple others you could maybe say that would be beneficial for, but I don't think there's too much of a point for it right now. Um, and it kind of makes things feel a little different. I like equality. I think there's no reason not to be equal in MMA as we've seen time and time again, when they used to have three minute rounds, that was very stupid. Boxing is still behind, which is very stupid. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any rule changes I would like to see, Chris. I mean, if I'm going to be specific for some reason, and I, I don't think I asked uh, Mr. Seki, the uh, deep founder, about this when I spoke to him ahead of the hundred, the hundredth show. Why the women in I think non-title fights. And then title fights are three rounds. Which, first of all, Japan, Ryzen, all that kind of thing. They need to get get up, updated with the five rounds for title fights in general. <laughs> but uh, the women competing for just two rounds. I don't know what that's all about. And I should have asked that if I didn't. I don't think I did. And I clearly don't remember if I did. I don't remember his answer if I did. But that would be something I would change for Deep Jewels specifically. It's just them. It's just them. I don't know why they do that. They've always done it. Um, and they've made some minor changes over the years. But still, for most of those non-title fights, it's two rounds. Five-minute rounds, but just two of them. I don't know what that's all about. And Chris says uh, three-minute round, three rounds is disgusting. I'd like to see a lot of women in China and East Asia move away from two-round fights. Yeah, I guess they do happen in China as well, don't they? So. Um, Oh, the three minute you're speaking of, though. I, I don't I feel like I don't see that anymore. I don't see that anymore, at least not in pro fights. But the two rounders are still a thing, which I don't like. Um, Centro asks, do you consider Emmy Fujino as a Hall of Famer since she has fought everyone? <laughs> but real quick, uh, Chris says Deep Road, Kunlan and WLF. Uh, Hulin Fang still doing two rounds for women. I hate it. Yes, 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 yes. Completely agree. I didn't, I didn't realize that Rhoda did, um, or that Kunlan did, honestly. Actually, most, I didn't realize, yeah, that most of those did. I thought for the most part it was just deep, but yeah, that's, I don't like that. I don't get it. If it's a, if it's a woman thing, then it's very dumb. It's very dumb and very outdated. So that would, that would definitely be my one thing was to change that for sure. Um, I guess when you look at it, uh, Whaley and Mengbo, which of course was years ago, 2013, right? That was a two-rounder as well. So, lame, lame sauce. But anyway, Centro asking about Emmy Fujino as a Hall of Famer since she has fought everyone. That's a very tricky question. <laughs> at least I would say so. I love Emmy Fujino. She is like an MMA library with her experience and knowledge. Like I could talk to her for forever. I practically did talk to her forever when I did last time. Um, uh, when it comes to like Hall of Famers and people you consider legends, especially the word legend, I think legend gets thrown around far too often. Like for example, and I'm probably going to get some heat from this. Maybe, maybe not from you guys, but in general, I would definitely get some heat for this for sure. People calling the Diaz brothers, more so Nate, who has never been a champion, a legend, I very strongly disagree with. If you're going to consider that guy a legend, then you absolutely have to consider someone like Emi Fujino a, le a legend. But that's just how you look at that, right? I don't know. I think that Hall of Fame, legend, that kind of thing, you definitely have to have been a champion, had some very great accomplishments, not lost a whole lot 
beaten some very big names. That kind of thing. Uh, M. Fujino, 100% a pioneer, a very important part of history, more than Nate Diaz, if we're going to be honest. I think I'd, I would probably get her in there. Not first ballot, you know, if we're going to do it NFL style or something like that. But you think about kind of what she's done, how long she's been doing it for. I think she could probably fit in there. Not a first choice or anything, but impact-wise career. It's it's tough. That's a, that's a good question, Centro. Um, yeah, as opposed to somebody like, you know, the obvious ones, Megumi, Ayaka, list goes on. Shinashi, Yukasuji, just to name Japanese ones specifically. Jin says, how would Whaley do if she was in Invicta right now? She would be the champion, Jin. No doubt about it. <laughs> she would she would beat Emily Dakota. As good as Dakota has gotten, she would beat her. He says, not for the title, but coming up and her current skill level. Yeah, she she would she would do very well. <laughs> he says, don't roast. Yeah, I mean, that's not even a question, Jin. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to roast you for that one. Um, I don't think anything else needs to be said about that. All right, so <laughs> let's move on to the preview. Let's get out of here. Ryzen 33. Just two fights, as I mentioned. Two very, very exciting fights, though, for very different reasons. Cannot wait. Ryzen 33, last event of the year. Going down this week, Saitama Super Arena, as always. Full capacity. Full capacity for Ryzen. I think their first show they've been able to do full capacity since the pandemic started. And we're kicking things off with Reina Kabota versus Siwu Park at Reina Weight. I coined that myself, 110 pounds, because that's what Reina has been fighting at for the last so many fights. Siwu Park's Ryzen debut. I I believe this will be the heaviest that she's ever fought at, because normally an Adam Weight, of course, who trains out of Team Mad, typically, typically when there isn't a pandemic, but she's been in Japan for the pandemic and training at Crazy B. With the likes of Miyu Yamoto, Ursin Yamoto, Hitsuki Hirata. Not the worst gym and team of training partners, even though they've been on a little bit of a skid. Including Park, who has lost her last two fights to Seiki Izawa. No shame in that. As well as Seori Oshima. No shame in that one either. And now, she's taking on the shootbox queen, Reina herself. Bummer that Steve couldn't be here to talk about this one. You know he loves Reyna. And I know he'll love this fight because we should all love this fight. You want to talk about a guaranteed, <laughs> at least in theory, a guaranteed striker's delight between one of, and we talk about the greatest strikers in MA a lot on this show, the GDRs, you know, the cyborgs, the Nunes is yada yada. The Valentinas, you know, the best strikers, period. Reyna does not get enough love for being one of those. She is definitely one of those. And Siwoo Park isn't on her level. She's still kind of prospect territory, obviously. But 
She's very solid and capable, experienced striker who's competing in MMA. She has fought in kickboxing. She has fought Rena Panchan, lost to Rena Panchan because it's Rena Panchan. Size differences, all that kind of thing, just skill difference. But <clears throat> Park has tested herself and had success in those realms. That's what she does best. I mean, her last two losses were two, two against two of the best grapplers in the sport right now in Oshima and Izawa, right? And her takedown defense was improved against Seka. She was able to survive, obviously, unanimous decision there. Landed some good shots on Seka later as the fight went on. That was kind of the story of it. And then Reyna, she does have a very... Uh, a very capable ground game as well, but I don't, I can't recall ever seeing Reyna take a fight to the ground. She'll end up there. She wound up there against Miu. Definitely did. And was uh, losing that fight, but then lands a picture perfect knee, puts Miu away. Another knockout of your contender, you could say. Very good stuff there. And Emi Tamimatsu before that, which was last year. Lindsay Van Zant, Alvare, which was obviously a layup and just a fight to be a fight. Lindsay before that. It's been a very good while. A very good while since Reyna has fought a capable and willing striker like Park. Now, ultimately, that generally leads to a highlight reel performance from Reyna Kubota. But Siwoo Park has some pretty significant power as an atom weight. Telling you guys, if you haven't seen that Hikaru Aono knockout, go check it out. Aono versus Park. That's a perfect example there of what Park is capable of, at least in terms of power, technique. This should be a very fun fight. And I think Park can have success. Again, she's not as talented as Reyna is, the body shots, I think, will play a big part here. Well, Park probably majorly headhunts the body shots from Reyna, that is, if I didn't make that clear. Um, and if it goes to the ground, I would give still the advantage to Reyna, but I don't expect it to. I think we'll, I think it's a pretty safe bet we'll get a finish in this one for as long as it lasts. I'm very excited for this fight, and I'm very happy to see Siwu Park get this opportunity maybe quicker than I uh, would have expected it to come to come. So I love it. I love the emergence of the straw weights. This is, I mean, the atom weights, excuse me. This is the new wave, right? <laughs> but this is, uh, this is what we've been talking about all year. You guys, for those of you who have been tuning in, whether it's live or on the replay all year long with Steve and I, you know, that we have been talking about this day, or this time, this end of the year. Siryoshima, in Ryzen now, comes on in like a freak, bat out of hell, the double champ, knocks off Kana Sakura. Who saw that coming? Thrown to the wolves, proves she is a wolf, now the number one contender. I think in all of our eyes, how could she not be the second best atom weight in the world as it stands right now? Didn't think it would happen that early. Maybe next year. Early next year. Nope. She's like, let's do it. October. Now, Siwoo Park is here. Now, 
Sekizawa is here. I am Murakami, going up and up and deep. I mean, it's looking great. Nisei just debuted. Still, I'm not big on Nisei, but it's the wave. We've been waiting for this all year. Here it is. I, who would have thought? It's great to see. It's kind of fun. The storyline, evolving before our eyes, talking about this. And I, I bet you, one of the only platforms, at least in American media, English media, talking about this kind of thing. So you guys, I appreciate you for being on the ride with us to see this kind of thing unfold. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Sintro says she's fought the best of the best, didn't win, but beat the rest. I'm not sure if that's a Whaley comment before we started the preview, but <laughs> you can you can clarify if needed. Uh, I guess that would make sense for it could make sense for Reina as well. Uh, Rue says go Hamasaki. We'll get to her. Jimmy's on the Hamasaki bandwagon as well. Alvin says this is an interesting fight since both are phenomenal strikers. Very very true. Alvin making his prediction for the Fan of Punch breakdown being Siwoo Park. James says Striker's Delight. Rain says Banger. Jimmy says, and it could be Raina this week. That also, also true. Ghost says, uh, for the Fan of Punch breakdown is what Jimmy means. Ghost says, saw Panchan versus Park, but we can't use that as a gauge for this fight since Panchan and Raina do different things. Very true. And that was a while ago, wasn't it? That was, that was a decent, I don't know if that was like fully before, I think it was, it was in the middle of her MMA career, but it, it was obviously beyond two, two years ago, which is when that Aono knockout was that I just mentioned. Um, uh, Chris says Reina win is what I'm feeling. She has more ways to win. Yes. Park takes damage. Not great striking defense. Oshima and Izawa fights looked a level below. The, the thing with the Oshima rematch, Chris was, I think fight IQ is clearly what cost what cost Park because if you watch the first the first Oshima fight, that was one where we know how absolutely tenacious and aggressive Si uh, not Siwu uh, Siori is with her grappling and she was just nonstop going for the takedowns and trying to submit Park, which worked out in the first round. couldn't couldn't submit her, but and this is in the first fight she had success, got her down, and you know was uh, scoring points in that first round. And then Park caught on and defended pretty much everything, had her way for the, the next two rounds. Um, or maybe it was one round, because again, I don't remember <laughs> the, how many rounds they had in that fight. But in, then in the rematch, Siwoo knocked her down, had her in some trouble there very quickly, and followed her to the ground, got too excited, and got caught in the armbar. So... She never had that moment in the first fight, so we never got to see if she would have reacted the same way, but that was like a very different twist to the fight IQ. Like, great, great adaptive, you know, adaptive game plan that she kind of had, or just adaptations she made in that first fight, and then in the second fight, completely blew it. Completely blew it by getting too excited off the knockdown. And then against um, Sayaka, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say she looked a level below either um, in that one, but still lost, obviously. So either way, I agree with your, your first initial points as well. Um, yeah. And Ghost says, it's like when people said that Peter Yan would destroy Sanhagen since Aljo beat Sanhagen in under a minute, not considering the things each fighter do. Oh, MMA math, Ghost. Come on, you know it's one of the silliest things. 
in the sport. <laughs> I'll see it all the time. And uh, I don't think that applies here. But yes, great point indeed. Uh, Rain says, I'm going with Rena. Panchan destroyed Park. Oh, well, there you go. He's 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 doing it. <laughs> Rain's doing it. Uh, James says, Reyna wait as the, at the bottom screen. That's funny. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Sincho says, Reyna all day. I saw the Panchan breakdown and Reyna has more things than Rena. There you go. Literal degrees. Sincho says, the best of the best comment was for Emi Fujino. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, going back to that, Sintro said she fought the best of the best, didn't win, but beat the rest. Yeah, that is 100% true. Um, a little bit uh, Uriah Faber-like, right? And he's all famous. He was a champion, though. And I mean, um, Fujino is a champion as well. She's literally a champion right now. So, yeah. Scott says, Fan of Punch is clearly Jessica I. There you go. Never thought I would hear that prediction, but we'll get into it soon enough. <laughs> Uh, Rain says, if we're doing this, Scott, then my prediction is Daniel Taylor, Priscilla Cashuera. By God, knock it off, you guys. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, I'm predicting I'm predicting Reyna to win this fight as well, especially I think the activity turn, you know, the quick turnaround for her quicker, at least than what we're used to have been used to seeing lately will be good for her staying in shape and active. Um, been training, always training at AACC, but then at a brave, which Good wrestling there. Weak. If we're going to see a takedown in this fight, I think it'll be from Reyna. I don't expect that. I think it'll be very fun, exciting, unless she gets clipped and is in trouble, which is very possible. I would I would not be... I'd be stunned. I would be. <laughs> I'd be stunned if Park knocked her out, but it's definitely a possibility. It's like... It's like... Um, which fight was it? Which, well, which fight was it that happened recently? Oh, it's going to kill me. There was a submission that, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to drive me nuts. But either way, there was a comparable fight like that um, where it could have happened, wasn't likely to happen, but could have. Oh, it was it was Stamp and Redo. That's what it was. I feel the same way where a KO or TKO for Park is possible. But not not a prediction I'm going to make. I, I could see it happening if she was going to win. I could I could have seen Stamp pulling off a submission. She ended up doing it. But I'm not going to predict that. That seems a little crazy. Um, and I mean that's probably a, a very big difference in, <laughs> in examples there. But since this is a striker's delight, but have to go with Reina in this one. Of course, I think it'll be very fun while it lasts. I think Park will definitely earn some fans no matter what happens, unless she just gets starched real quick, which you never know, but that I think she's uh, good enough to avoid that. I'm going to take Raina though, by uh, I'm going to say second round, second round TKO. Second round for me. Alan says, Mr. Riggs, isn't it a good thing to be featured on the Phantom Punch breakdown? Wouldn't it be an honor for these fighters to have their skills broken down by a Mr. Phantom? That is an excellent point, Alvin. I apologize. That's true. That is very true. <laughs> You're a genius. Good man. See, I, I, I just, you know, I'm thinking of the moment here most of the time. But uh, you, you present an absolutely perfect point. Uh, as Jimmy says, man, how do you not love, how do you not like Alvin? I don't know. I don't think it's possible. As Jen also says, he's the best. He really is. We are privileged to have Alvin in our little community. 
thank you so much, sir, for tuning in each and every week when you can. But anyway, that's the prediction for the first of two bangers at Ryzen 33. As we move on to, my goodness, maybe definitely one of my most anticipated fights of this year. The legend versus the prodigy. Champ versus the prospect. Past and present versus the future. Whatever you want to call it. It could be called all of those things. I just did it. The Adam Wade Goat, Ayaka Hamasaki versus the rising superstar, the Deep Jewels strawweight champion, Seka Izawa, Starflower, in her rising debut, no less, goddamn, second Adam Wade fight of her career. The first being the Siwoo Park fight a couple months ago. How is this happening? <laughs> How is this happening? Right now, right here, New Year's Eve, no less. This is a fantasy come to life too soon, but that's what makes it maybe more interesting than if this was to happen, let's say, end of next year. I love it. I hate it. I have a lot of feelings about it. You guys know we talked about, well, we talked about this two weeks ago, right? This does many things for me. As Ayaka Hamasaki, one of my favorite fighters of all time, one of the best fighters of all time, Sekizawa, in my opinion, the absolute best prospect in the world right now, alongside Aaron Blanchfield, who isn't going to be a prospect much longer. In a couple more months, she'll probably take that label off. Sekizawa with a win here, she can take that off as well. If she beats Ayaka Amasaki, she's the lineal champion. She's the new best atom weight in the world. One of the biggest upsets of all time. I think it's even bigger than I realized when you really break it down. Because, <laughs> listen here, you guys. Obviously, you can see the numbers. 23-3. and Gets 4-0. Ayaka Amasaki debuted in October of 2009. She has won 11 world titles in her career among active fighters and maybe, maybe ever. That is only bested by Chris Cyborg, who has 14. Ayaka Amasaki has won titles in every single organization she has fought for, except for Shuto, which she only fought for once, which was in her debut. Only last three times. Two of those times were at strawweight. One of those times was in a very, very, very close trilogy fight with Sohi Am, who is the second best atom weight of all time, in my opinion, as well. Ayaka Masaki has also done all of this with three ACL tears mixed in. You compare this to Sekizawa, who is 24 years old. You can see the ages there as well. 24 began her professional MMA career. <laughs> Last Halloween, my birthday, 2020. No wonder I like her so much. But she started her career last year, the end of last year. And she's now 4-0. She's now the Deep Jewels Strawweight Champion. She has looked absolutely incredible 
in such a short amount of time, just a year, right? Got just single-handedly walked through Mika Nagano and uh, Amitami Matsu, two very experienced uh, black belts in BJJ in that tag team grappling match a couple months ago as well. <clears throat> Finished both of them in what under under two minutes for sure each collectively maybe that's how quick it was she is an absolute beast she is the future is the future now <laughs> is the future now we're gonna find out with how crazy 2021 has been it might be it very well might be but i'm not gonna predict that because <laughs> I'm not no straight Thomas over here. I am sometimes, but in this case, Ayaka Masaki, who is only continued to look borderline unbeatable. And I've said this, you guys know, I've said this many times. I'm not picking against, I'm not picking against Hamasaki unless your name is so he, and then even then I'm not going to pick against them in a, in a fourth fight. If it was to happen, let's say in two months. She is still as good as it gets. I obviously can't go back on that now after saying she's a top three talent in the world. <laughs> if you did read my, my argumentative breakdown. Um, in terms of how Seika can win this fight, it's clearly on the ground. She has one of the one of the best killer instincts that you that a someone of her age and inexperience in MMA can have because she does have a very extensive judo and wrestling background and it clearly shows in uh in her fights has shown in her fights so far and even her grappling match is very aggressive if you give her a window she jumps through it any opportunity she'll take it against Hamasaki though who very rarely if ever makes mistakes on the ground and when she does she knows how to stay calm and get out of them perfect example the triangle in the second round of the Ham the Ham trilogy um at Ryzen 20 for full four a full four minutes of that round where she was stuck in there took plenty of elbows but avoided getting submitted as ghost broke down Back when you did, I think uh Phantom Punch number four, maybe. Either way. Saika is gonna have to find that window. She's gonna have to get to the ground, and she's gonna have to become the first person to ever submit Ayaka Masaki. <laughs> this upset would be fucking insane. This 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 might be crazier than. Nunez Pena specifically because of the experience difference here. I just rattled off everything you need to know about the resumes. Essentially. At least Pena had at least over over what 12 fights. Ultimate fighter in her back pocket. We knew what she could do. Didn't think she would do it, but we'd seen more from her. We've still not seen very much from Saka, but we what we have seen is pretty goddamn incredible for for her her age. <clears throat> But Ayakamasaki, I mean, I haven't even mentioned the striking yet. We know the things that she does. Seka should not have an answer for. There should be, this should be a breeze for Hamasaki on the feet. 
again, the lone chance for Seca at this stage. Because at one point, I think she will be good enough for this. You know how high I am on her. And everyone who has seen her should be very high on her. But Hamasagi is one of the greatest of all time for a reason. I haven't even mentioned this as well. This is going to be her first fight, I believe, since... I think since Invicta. At least in Ryzen, her first fight where the other goat, Megumi Fuji, is actually going to be cornering her. Megumi has been calling some of the fights on commentary, but she's going to be in the corner this time. She's helping her out for this one. That hasn't been the case. And look at how good Ayaka's been without Megumi. We know the mentorship and the kinship that they've had together. This is like worst nightmare possible for Zeka. But she still took the fight because she's a fucking monster. Oh, this is crazy. This is just so crazy to me. <laughs> the, more, the more I think about it and digest it, it's like the possibilities. Um, we know Ayaka's not afraid to go to the ground with anybody, and she should not be. Same goes here. She, they, they they will very likely end up on the ground. Size advantage for Sayaka. I think that's that's definitely safe to say. She's quite a big, quite a big atom weight, despite just being 5'2. You look at her and like her frame in some of the matchups, pretty, pretty good sized atom weight, especially now just dropping down atom weight. And we'll see how that weight cut goes again as well uh, for her second atom weight fight ever. And my God, if she can, if she pulls this off and just think about how massive the rematch for the title will be, it's stupid as fuck that they do non title fights first place. We won't get into that, but. This fight is most compelling on the ground, on the feet. Should be a walk in the park for Hamasaki. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> I don't think Seka will really know what's going on with those head and shoulder feints. The uh, the footwork, inside low kick is going to be on display. I think Ayaka snaps it up and hides it enough. Snaps it out, I guess you could say, and hides it well enough to where Seka will be a little confused and not be able to catch that because. Probably not smart to throw those out there and give Seca the opportunity to try and grab a hold of those, even though we haven't seen her do that too much. She really likes to back you against the cage, which again, this goes to the experience. Pretty sure Seca has not fought in the ring before. It's just a tough ask, which makes the potential upset all the greater. <laughs> again, I'm not, I'm not predicting that i can't i just cannot but i love both these women i think they're both phenomenal in very different ways in different stages of their careers but this is just such a big such a big task and ask for starflower man um i think she's gonna really she's gonna take some damage on the feet within the first minute hamasaki's gonna come guns blazing at her i mean look at the look at her last two fights the, you guys remember how hot she came out against Kana in that rematch? She had Kana on the ropes, literally knocked her down, almost put her away in the first round, and then obviously slugged it out with Fujino for three rounds in just a fucking gnarly brawl of a fight. No reason to think she won't come at her in this one. And she's she said ahead of this fight, she's like, I'm going to finish her. Yeah, Hamasaki's confidence, all-time high. She's not going to be shy to come after <clears throat> The new kid on the block, literally. So I think that'll be a lot of pressure, literally and figuratively, in Seka's face. And 
then from there, she'll grab a hold of her. She'll either end up on bottom or top. And then we'll see how it goes from there. But my official prediction is going to be Hamasaki by TKO. I think it'll think ground and pound, but I can kind of see it going that way in a realistic, non <laughs> wild 2021 bizarro world. That's what should happen is Hamasaki. Maybe, maybe hits her with an inside low kick right away. And then just jab, jab, hook combo, uppercuts, you, you name it. Kitchen sinks coming at Izawa. She's going to feel it all. Go for the takedown. Going to end up on the ground. And then TKO will come after that if she's on her back. If she's on top, it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. If, if Sek is on top, that is. And she very well could be. Big girl, like I said. Got the wrestling. Oh, I love hate it so much. I don't want either to lose. Oh, this fight. This fight is like... This is like one of those fights I dream about not like dreaming for it to happen, but I have like a weird dream and I'm like, wait, this is happening. Like, why the hell am I dreaming? You wake up and you're like, why the hell did I dream about that fight? That doesn't make any sense. That's weird that that happened, but it's actually fucking happening. <laughs> so that's why I kind of love it, <laughs> especially because it's now. And if it was going to happen, it should not be now. And it should be Sari Oshima justice for Sayori, but she doesn't want it. We know this. We've talked about it. Can't complain too much. She doesn't want it yet. <sighs> so I'm going to go with the what should happen, which is Ayaka Amasaki first round TKO. Ground and pound specifically. What might happen because 2021 is insane. Sayaka first round submission. That's not my pick, but that's. It's possible. Maybe not first round, but she's going to win. She's going to do the unthinkable. <laughs> oh, boy. What are we saying here? James says, Team Hamasaki all day. Jimmy says, Go Hamasaki. Alvin, wishing all the competitors the best performance. Best wishes to both, but I will be rooting for Ms. Hamasaki. No ill will towards Mizzy Zawa. There you go. Alvin picking his sides and sticking to it. Wants both teams just to have fun. Rue says Hamasaki wins this experience striking and grappling all for Hamasaki. Very true. Jin says this is for the world title. Unfortunately, no, I don't. I, I don't know why Ryzen just doesn't want to do title fights for the champion all the time. I don't know why. Sintro says, did Hamasaki win a belt in Invicta? Yes, she did. She was the Invicta Adam White champ. The first. Ayaka Hamasaki was the very first. Japanese champion in a major U.S. promotion, actually. I believe that's men and women. Not counting Sakuraba or, yeah, Sakuraba who won the uh, UFC tournament, right? Not a division belt, tournament belt. But uh, that would go to Hamasaki, I believe. Sintra says, I'm going with Hamasaki. Your faint and stance switching is very hard to read. Plus, her ring awareness is great. She does it all. She does it all. Jin does not believe the future is now. All right. Go says, you guys shouldn't overlook Izawa. Look out. You guys shouldn't overlook Izawa like this. Hamasaki might be the better overall fighter in terms of skills, but we don't know how this fight will play out. My guy. Ghost is laying it down. 
Yo says, do we forget that everyone overlooked Whaley against Andrade or Pena versus Nunez on a larger scale? He's laying it out. He's laying it out. Rue says, true ghost, but Whaley actually has technical skills that people didn't know about. Same could be said for Seca as ghost right there. Says, so does Izawa on the ground. He says, not saying Izawa is going to win, just saying you shouldn't overlook her. I've been saying it. Been saying it. It's going to be nuts. As Jin goes on to say, well, then, is this the same for Izawa as Andrade versus Wei Li from Shenzhen when everyone thought that Andrade would run through Wei Li? Practically, I would say. Um, as Ghost says, we have never seen Seika cut the cage properly against a ring general like Hamasaki, so that's something to consider. As Rain says, Hamasaki wins easy. Uh, Chuck is here. He says, Octagon 30 on Thursday in Czech Republic. Teresa Bleda versus Mibli Lima for the flyweight title. Lucia Shabova versus Olga Rubin at Bantamweight. Okay, look at that. Some news there. Chuck bringing in Octagon going down. Also closing out the year. Olga Rubin at Bantamweight. I'm interested in that. Still can't believe Bellator let her go. Very odd, but also maybe pandemic related. Uh, Jin says, then what is the point if it's not for the title? I know it's dumb. It's I hate that they do that. I hate that they do that. And it might part, I'm going to, this is speculation. It might partially be for story purposes because it, like i said i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter though because if it was for the title i was going to say the upset you have that have to do rematch you have to do it anyways if it's for the title like yeah i don't know i don't know i hate that they do that i, I need to ask Jingo about it which i'm surprised i actually haven't yet on any of the broad horizon uh ending segments that we do but either way guys that's horizon 33 Two fights, two good ones. Anything can happen in each of them. <laughs> oh, I can't, I just can't talk about that one without getting worked up. I oh, I can't wait for it. I cannot wait for Hamasaki Izawa. I hope it's a draw. Then that's when I win. <laughs> that's when I really win. Uh, Rue says Hamasaki had a master class against Fujino. So that equals Hamasaki easy win. I mean, I wouldn't go that far, Rue, just because of the fact that there was there was zero grappling exchanges, takedown attempts in that fight, which bummed me out. I would have loved to see them go to the ground, which is where Fujino probably should have taken it, even though I thought she did very well, especially as the fight went on um, towards the end. Fujino did better, but just, just boxing and brawling. Um, not enough to get it done. Tomasaki's just too good. Just too good. All right, you guys. Not too many predictions for, from you in terms of the Phantom Punch breakdown this week. We got a couple. We did get a couple. So last minute here, if you want to throw them on in before we get to it. We very well, very well take whatever. I'll give you, I'll give you a minute here. As I look at some of the comments with Chuck saying Fujino's old shop or has never beaten a top opponent. Well, we discussed that a little bit earlier, a little bit of the Uriah Faber, John Fitch kind of spot at strawweight where she beats everybody except for the absolute best. Maybe um, I'm sure she's beaten a top opponent though. I don't have a record up right this second, but she's got some solid wins on there. Uh, I mean, she's 40 though, obviously. So, 
there is that off the heels of a surgery. Not recently, but a while back. All right. Rue is sticking with Valentina for his pick. So without further ado, let's get to it. James going with Hamasaki still. The Hamasaki trilogy in terms of Phantom Punches. This was one. Rain saying Hamasaki as well. This was one that I would have been. One of you would have had to have spoken to Ghost for you to have predicted this. There was saying funny guesses, Daniel Taylor. Uh, not a single, maybe the only person I would have expected to possibly guess this week would have been Alvin, and he did not, and he has yet to before I reveal it. But no one was ever going to guess this person. And the interesting thing before I do get into this about this Phantom Punch breakdown is that it is kind of what's a good word to describe it? It is kind of a a visual motion picture collage or collaboration of <laughs> collaboration of multiple things coming together. It's like it's like several phantom many phantom punches inside an overall one. So it's very this is a very unique one and there you go. I gave it away by saying Alvin would get it and he gets it right. It is Jackie Boonton week, you guys. Phantom Punch breakdown number 21. Ghost says this one took 3 months to finish, so hope you like it. As I said, it is practically a a super breakdown because it features many other people <laughs> it is it's practically a uh, a collab and i mean not of people breaking down but of people that are featured so big props to ghost on this one ahead of it as we get to jackie boonton a tactics study get your popcorn ready lads ladies and lads or whatever you identify yourself as. No judgment here. <clears throat> so let's get rolling. This will be a study of Boonton striking and how it can be applied in an MMA context. Ambient footwork. Ambient footwork is defined as the movement done when not stepping in or exiting striking exchanges. It's the movement when no action is occurring during the fight. And that is a quote from... Sorry. <clears throat> from <laughs> Sylvie Von Douglas E2, the only Western Nakamoy uh, to fight 268 times. That's a couple, that's a couple fights. Boonton's ambient footwork has a strategy of forcing the opponent to turn and step towards her. The first type of ambient footwork Boonton uses is a step feint while laterally moving to the right to constantly weaken the opponent's position and make her entries less predictable. Boonton's sidestep towards the opponent leads... Uh, the opponent's lead side forces her opponent to constantly readjust her stance and distance. See a little arrow down there. 
Boontown sidesteps and simultaneously faint steps into range. Oh, man, Ghost going all out with this one. Do you see that effect? We got to do a double take on that. If I can go back properly. Look at this. He's got radiation from the knee. <laughs> Let's take a look at the frequency of Boontown step faints and lateral steps. There it is again. This is next level. Boonton, Boonton's use of the L-step helps her flank the lead side of her opponent. Massive L-step. An L-step is where a fighter retracts the lead leg and resets their stance. L-step is done at a distance where the opponent has to turn and step towards Boonton to attack. The opponent has to turn and face Boonton, causing a moment where the opponent's position is weakened. L-step example number two. Another L-step towards the opponent's lead shoulder. Putting the L-step and the faint uh, and the step faint together. Example of ambient footwork here against uh, Vanderjeva. And here's Rose Nama Yunus using purposeful ambient footwork. So the first mid Phantom Punch guest appearance, right? Breakdown within the breakdown, a step faint right there against Joanna here in the rematch. L step. Slow motion as Rose uses a similar type of ambient footwork as Boonton, but her step faints are more pronounced. Look at this is in slow motion, and this is this is one of this might be the fastest fight I've ever seen in terms of how quickly they how quick they both were in that fight. It was pretty insane. And now, I guess some of you guys' predictions were right, as this is a mini Whaley breakdown as well so <laughs> Zhang Weili using purposeful ambient footwork coming your way I told you it's a super breakdown as here's the step feint in the rematch that we saw UFC 268 in New York City reverse L-step this is type of L-step is harder than a regular one due to the rear foot swinging back this time where he looks to flank the rear shoulder instead of the lead shoulder Slow motion review here as the ambient footwork is in reverse, but the same principles and ideas from Boontown's footwork are applied by Wei Li. Wei Li uses the L-step as a defensive tool here in the Yoana 
classic. Whaley sees the switch front kick to the face, prepares her defense with a modified L-step. Whaley does not retract her lead leg fully for the modified L-step in order to catch the front kick. After the counter hook misses, Whaley uses the hooking arm to post on Joanna's head to exit the exchange. L-step to get out of the range and flank the lead shoulder. <clears throat> Both fighters are now on the fence. A little slow motion here. Joanna using purposeful ambient footwork. Now time for a little Joanna mini breakdown with a step feint against Andrade. The L step. And some slow-mo as Joanna uses ambient footwork to force her opponent to turn. Step feints and L-step are useful against forward-moving opponents since they can't readjust to the new angle due to the forward commitment. Implementing strikes off of ambient footwork as we go back to Jackie. Watch that knee. Little elbow right there. Three-fourth step is a shorter lateral step compared to a full step. This type of broken rhythm keeps the opponent off-balanced when Boonton enters. Slap hook on the three-fourth step coming at you. Rear straight misses but pulls down the opponent's guard. Opponent tries to long guard on Boonton's lead shoulder. The opponent's long guard is ineffective due to Boonton and her opponent being hip to hip, allowing Boonton to land her lead hook. Smack, smack, bang, pow. L-step reestablishes distance and allows Boonton to create new angles in the future. Thinking ahead. Boonton goes back to step feigning, a foundation of her own ambient footwork. Boonton builds off her ambient footwork by playing with her opponent's expectations. Opponent expects Boonton to keep stepping forward towards her lead shoulder. Excuse me. Boonton breaks the expected pattern by skip stepping and fainting high. Beautiful jab to the body lands. Kablamo. Boonton squares off her opponent's lead foot, pointed to the midsection or the crotch. Boonton makes it seem like she is flanking the opponent's lead shoulder, but instead she breaks their pattern and attacks on the tracks. Slap hook on the opponent's high guard. Now the opponent cannot see the next income coming the incoming shot, uh, Boonton is able to attack on the tracks like this due to her entries being hard to read due to all the step feints she shows. Rear straight lands to the body underneath the long guard. Closes the door with the lead hook. Lead hook allows Boonton to blade her stance at the end of the combination. Boonton uses the same slap hook, rear body straight, uh, lead hook combo, but this time off the L-step. 
L-step to flank opponents, the lead shoulder. Boonton has her opponent on the fence. Bounce allows her to stop on a dime and return to stance while the opponent is out of position, being able to get the stance, get to stance quickly. If we can go back real quick, apologies, there we are. Uh, bounce allows her to stop on a dime and return to stance while the opponent is out of position. Being able to get to stance quickly like this allows Boonton to fire off a combination while the opponent is trying to readjust. Slap hook to the opponent's high guard. There you go, a little open palm action. Rear body straight misses underneath the long guard. Boonton's ambient footwork allows her to attack from any position on the tracks, on the fence, squared off when her opponent least expects her to. Being able to enter striking range when the opponent least expects is one of the most important skills in MMA. This is even more important in MMA when Muay Thai, due to the large distance uh, that most MMA fighters operate at. The large distance allows MMA fighters to predict and see incoming attacks, especially when the opponent enters on a straight line. Implementing Boontown's aim at footwork to any MMA fighter's striking or grappling arsenal, regardless of level, can help their game enormously. This is especially important for wrestlers and grapplers, since opponents will have a hard time predicting the shot coming with the constant changes in position as well as dealing with striking into wrestling exchanges. Boontown can attack on the tracks successfully without taking damage due to her sneaky footwork. On the tracks... Rear foot is brought up near the lead foot, shortening Boonton's stance. Opponent does not expect the incoming attack due to all the step feints Boonton showed earlier. She does not know what attack is real and what is a feint. Slap hook pins the high guard and hides the stance switch. Lead hook to close the door as the stance switch creates the exit angle. Boonton has her opponent on the fence, lead foot lined up with the opponent's lead foot. This allows Boonton time to evade the incoming rear straight counter since opponent has to turn to face Boonton. A little slow-mo here on the replay. Same entry combination, but different opponent. Boonton used the same combination, slap hook rear straight. Uh, slap hook, rear straight, rear body hook, but makes but makes tiny adjustments to her entry and targets as they're on the tracks right there. Back against Wonder Girl. Picks up the lead knee to enter range. Slap hook occupies the high guard. Rear straight goes underneath the long guard. Great adjustment by Boonton. Left hook hits kidneys instead of liver. That is fine since the kidney shot is not pleasant either. Boonton ends the combination by squaring her opponent off. The opponent is completely off balanced. A 
Boonton enters by picking up her lead knee and fires her lead her lead hook underneath the opponent's rear hand. Sneaky, sneaky. Boonton can also enter range on the tracks with no setup. While the approach is easily countered, most of Boonton's opponents expect her to faint into range before attacking, so making an attack on the tracks without a feint or a setup becomes unexpected. Slaps the opponent's rear hand, which shuts down the rear hand since the slap uh, jams up future rotation of the opponent's hips. Beautiful rear straight to the body lands and exits on the angle towards the opponent's power hand. This time, Boonton enters with a throwaway jab as she enters from long range. Throwaway jab allows Boonton to close the distance and force a reaction from the opponent. Up jab lands off the throwaway jab into range. Notice how the up jab is used as counter to the opponent's rear straight. Rear straight misses, but this punch loads up her lead hook. Boonton lands a lead hook on the nose. Pop. The opponent squared off and off-balanced while Boonton has a proper stance ready to attack again. Israel Adesanya is the best example of using ambient movement in all directions to set up his strikes. Bet you didn't see that mini breakdown coming. As we are here against Paolo Costa, Adesanya uses three-step in head and shoulder feints to square the opponent up. L-step as soon as the opponent tries to face Adesanya. On the fence. Low kick while on the fence. The opponent's back leg is completely exposed. After the low kick hits the knee, Adesanya goes back to his ambient footwork by L-stepping and step fainting. Reverse L-step used as a defensive measure. Adesanya keeps using reverse L-steps to get off the track and until he finds a good position on the fence or square it off would do. On the fence here. Inside, a little outside low kick. Lead leg double attack is a tactic where Boonton uses an inside low kick to force a reaction followed by a body kick. This is a hard kick to defense as the opponent has to react low before defending high. How low can you go? Inside low kick forces the opponent to check. Body kick lands as the opponent is recovering from defending inside, inside low kick. Smack, smack. Beautiful. And slow-mo. Whaley and Ioana both use this lead leg double attack, uh, double attack tactic in MMA context and against each other. Reverse L-step by Whaley squares Ioana up. 
Straight arm post allows Whaley to leverage her kick as well as evade incoming punches. Wonderful. Oop, missed something there. Excuse me. Lead leg double attack, but you want to go is for a head kick instead of a body kick on the tracks. Slow-mo replay. The lead leg double attack takes speed and skill to perform since it's two kicks in succession, so it's understandable that we don't see it in MA that often. However, ambient footwork can be learned by anyone and raise anyone's game regardless of level. Why isn't purposeful ambient footwork present so hard to find in MMA? Most footwork, especially in the lower levels in MMA, is just forward and backwards. And that is our question of the day on the Phantom Punch Breakdown. More excellent stuff from Ghost Phantom. And I think... From watching that, the easy answer to that question is because not everybody is well-versed in the art of Muay Thai or things alike, Ghost. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd see it a good bit more, and I think you answered your own question, and I'm sure you generally do. But it's, of course, fun to ask and get other people thinking, so... It's 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 expected for us not to see that kind of footwork from, uh, let's say, a very strong, talented wrestler, unless they're making some very versatile changes and adaptations to their game as they get into MMA. But it's all about background, I think, in this case. And you uh, broke it down quite wonderfully, and I'm very curious to see what the 60 comments have got to say <laughs> as we always check through the comments before I say say la vie and see you next time. So here we are. This should be fun. So many here. All right. Jimmy said, yes, this should be good. Uh, at the beginning, Rain couldn't wait. James says, this is going to be awesome. Jackie is awesome. Rue says, another tactic study. Jin says, love the tactic studies. Uh, Sintra says, Jackie Boonton is so exciting. Jimmy says, Ghost has some new slides. Very cool style, <laughs> indeed. And he says, uh, Slive is a beast. Uh, Alvin says, Ms. Boonton's footwork is so beautiful. Very much so. Rain says, Ghost, I've never seen a breakdown with effects like this. Brand new stuff. Uh, James says, radiation from the knees. This man is stepping up his game. <laughs> I'm glad you like that one. Uh, Jimmy says, the half moon splashing is so cool. There you go. Citrus is next level stuff. Jim says, L-step. I think I've seen Rosen Whaley do that. Oh my, look at him. Look at him catching, catching things before they show up. Alvin says, thank you very much, Mr. Fan, for doing this for Ms. Bhutan. Her and Ms. Todd are my two favorite fighters and one to watch. There you go, Janet Todd. Another good one. Jimmy says, Rose? Rain says, Rose makes an appearance. So Wild Rose appears. Jin says, this has Whaley. This is awesome. Jimmy says, Team Magnum all day. Rain says, Team Magnum. James says, Whaley. 
Citra says, well, I hope that this shows that Whaley isn't just a brawler. I mean, for those who know what the fuck they're watching, they've known that she isn't just a brawler. Jamie says, Yusuf probably still thinks that Whaley doesn't know <laughs> distance. Uh, Ghost says, a wise, Ghost quotes, a wise man can learn more from a foolish question than a fool can learn from a wise answer. Bruce Lee. And he says, Yusuf will never learn. Oh, poor Yusuf. My goodness. I didn't say it, Yusuf. They did. <laughs> Jimmy says, you want it too? Ryan says, this is a massive breakdown. Well done, Ghost. This really shows how each of Boontown's tactics are applied. Very much so. Sintra says, love that this gets an MA application. Gotta love it. James says, I'm just happy we get to see a Whaley cameo this week. <laughs> James says, Jackie's footwork. Chef's kiss indeed. Lovely body jab, says Jimmy. Sintra uh, says, jab to the body. Jin says, crotch pointing again. Had to make a brief cameo, as did everyone else. Jamie says, on the tracks, on the fence, squared off is the only one not mentioned so far. Well, James says, that rear straight is money. Rain says, closing the door. Man, Ghost loves his vocab. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Jamie says, this is how you manage distance, Yusuf. <laughs> Still taking shots. Sintra says, that bounce was also from the Megumi breakdown. Very, very well. Very well spotted. Uh, Rain says, I saw Israel outside the same vocab as Ghost. Oh, there's something to it. Jamie says, agree that aiming forward can help anyone, but not everyone has the same coaching. There you go. Rain says, oh, that's beautiful stance switch to exit. And Jin, now that is building a foundation that Ghost talks about every week. Jimmy lead knee pickup, Panchan callback. Very true. Uh, James says, when is the inside low kick coming? Oh, it's coming. And it came. Alvin says, such a beautiful style. Since can Jackie win a world title? Jimmy says, Izzy, style bender, says James. Rain says, holy crap, didn't see that coming to Izzy cameo. Goddamn right. Citra says, wow, Izzy showing up. This is so cool. Jin says, love Izzy, the perfect example of footwork. Jimmy says, Izzy use all the footwork that Jackie uses. James says, there it is. Yep. Rain says, our meme on the channel is inside low kick is ghost favorite technique. <laughs> Jimmy says, oh, another Whaley cameo. Whaley double cameo, says Jin. Citra says, yes, love Whaley. Rue says that double attack from Whaley is so slick. James says, Ghost, maybe that's the reason why those women are the top straw weights. Doesn't hurt. James says that breakdown was incredible. Rue says, Ghost, I have a feeling that I know that you know the answer to your own question. He, yes, he does. He very, spoiler alert, he very clearly does. Rain says, Doesn't Daniel Taylor have ambient footwork? <laughs> Chris says, Go, uh, great show. Ghost is king. Yes, he is. Ghost says, Rain, I was talking about purposeful movement, not just movement. Uh, Rain says, touche. Rue says, lots of fighters can learn from this. Alvin says, thank you, Mr. Phantom, a great breakdown. Rain says, Drake, now you know why I'm so picky when watching fights now. Yeah, I know. You're very spoiled. Very spoiled over here at the WMA Today podcast. As Rain says, breakdown of the year. All right. Ghost had to go out strong, right? The last Phantom Punch of 2021. He knows what he's doing. James says breakdown of the year right here. All right, so that settles it. And Jimmy agrees that it was the best of the best breakdowns. It was a super. It was an ultra jam-packed amalgamation, if that makes sense. What a way to close out the year on the WMA Today podcast, as that will do it. Don't forget, you guys, if you haven't by now, after a full, what, year and a half that we've been on the scrap, 81 episodes in, you should be following us, liking, sharing, subscribing, 
hitting the notification bell on the channel, all that kind of stuff. At Drake Riggs underscore, at CK underscore MA, at the Scrap and Muse, at Ghost Phantom on Twitter. But he's a 9H number, number, letter, number, Ghost Phantom. Uh, you, you can see. You can see. It's the same thing as what he's got here. <laughs> Give him some love, as always. Um, good stuff. Appreciate you guys all so, so much for tuning in each and every week. Without you, there is no Steve and I. There is no scrap. There is none of this. It has been a good fun year, a very crazy year. Decent rebound of 2020, I would say, as we get ready for 2022. I've already plugged my stuff for the most part. The Hamasaki breakdown and the uh, 10 potential nominees to come out of Ryzen 33, which I dropped today, both on Miami News. You can check them out. I have two interviews coming up this week, one of which you know about. The other is a secret and uh, some things to finish up the year. But on that note, I just want to give all you guys a very big, very, very big thank you for everything, all the support, all the interaction. List goes on and on. You know who you are. Appreciate you guys. Hope you had a happy holidays. Wish you a happy new year. Hope you enjoy Horizon 33 and whatever else you may do in. Hope you have a fun, safe new year if you're into going out partying and doing that kind of celebration because I know I will be. <laughs> so I'll see you guys on the other side unless I see you for either a Ryzen companion or intermission show. Intermission show would be here on the scrap during the intermissions of Ryzen with the companion potentially on SCMP. To be determined, one way or the other, there should be something. So I'll either see you guys then or I will see you next week, next year, for the awards. Yes, you guys, don't worry, James. Jimmy, the awards. Jin says yes. What are the awards categories this year? You'll have to stay tuned next week. So without further ado, thank you guys so much. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, all that kind of thing. Couldn't do without you. Until next time. Stay safe, stay sane, and peace out.